Whose water is this? Mine. Somebody got water, man. That's good. You want one? No, I'm just joking. It just gives me something to whine about. Everybody always gets stuff, and I'm like, they never get me that. Beth goes, you never ask. I guess that is true. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So uh, there's my wife. It's used. <laughs> <laughs> this is the typical dad. You get what's left. <laughs> I wonder if there's anything in the bottom of this thing. <laughs> is that yours? Man, sharing. Sharing is what? Take your Bibles. Go to 2 Timothy. Uh, tonight, uh, as I told you all earlier, uh, Brother Joe has been, man, when did we meet? Where, where, how did we meet? Andrew Decker, that's out. And Andrew Decker was through Frank. And Frank, oh man, it's, a, it's amazing how God will use stuff to get you where you need to be. But anyways, well, we started the church out, and uh, I, I want to preface some things myself. You may think that uh, I'm slow in some things, and I am really, but, but I'm, I'm very cautious on what I do. Because uh, I know eternity rests on a lot of things. Uh, Jesus isn't in a hurry. In my life or your life or anybody else's life, he's just not in a hurry. Uh, he's had all eternity to figure out what he wanted to do. And for some reason, 6,000 years ago, he started this thing. Because in eternity, now if you picture eternity, it's like forever. Uh, either way you look, I mean, uh, I mean not to fathom eternity, you have to be there. I don't think you can do it on this side of glory. Uh, I have not seen nor you heard nor in the hearts of man the things that God had prepared for them to love. There's just no possible way you could grasp what he's saying. He, he says, you got to get here to get a hold of that thing. And I got to give you a new body on the other, uh, besides all that. He goes, so you got to get saved so I can give you a new body. So you get over here so you can see that thing and you can enjoy it with me. And until you get, we get to the place where we understand exactly what he said, uh, you need to be cautious. If he took that kind of time to do what he's doing, then in your life, you should take, now I'm saying this for everybody else. In your life, you should give the Lord the time he needs to work out the kinks in your life to get you where he wants you to be. So that he can use you. It doesn't matter. Your age means nothing at all. Well, I guess it is if you're like two years old and you're going, I, I, uh, he needs a little more time than that. But I mean, if you're 20, 20 to 80, I mean, and you're still kicking and you're above, I, say two, I better say 100 because Miss Betty's sitting here. Uh, but if you're still kicking and you're vertical and you're breathing, God can still use you. And you got to give him some chances sometime to do this. So many times we, we try to rush God in our lives and especially in other people's lives and never give God the time to get them exactly where they need to be. So they, this thing is a serious thing. What I'm going to talk about tonight is, is a call to the ministry, which Joe's already been in the ministry. Man, I'm telling you, what, we've been doing camp, what, 12 years, 10 years? How many? 12? So... In a, in a series of things, I let a guy come in. I felt sorry for him because I thought he was wounded, and really he wasn't. Uh, kind of maybe he was, but he wasn't ready for what, what the Lord had for him. And when you, when you try to help somebody, I've done this over a period of years, and sometimes you find out you mess up. Uh, I tried to help him, but in the process of doing that, he had another friend that was a friend of Joe's, and Joe was doing a camp already out in Missouri, and we got in on that, and when we, me and Beth drove out there uh, the first time we sent our kids out there and watched what was going on, that started a fellowship with Dr. Peacock, and it's been going ever since. Uh, twelve years. God's been in this thing for twelve years. Uh, twelve years ago, Joe was already doing, Brother Joe was already doing stuff out there. This isn't something that happened overnight. 
And it's not something I did. This is something God has done. And you need to understand that just because you think, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm preaching now, I'm preaching. Because if you think God is going to make you what you, and you think I'm going to make you what you need to be, you can hang that up. I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. I don't have what it takes to do that. You need those special moments with God when you're all alone and nobody else is around you and, and he's with you by yourself and you and him come to this agreement and you surrender and he tells you what to do and it starts there and it just keeps on going. The answer is to him, not to anybody else. What's wrong today is we got a lot of morons, and I'll, I'll be as gracious as I can. There are morons in pulpits around this country that shouldn't be there. Amen. I'm not telling you they have to be Dr. Doolittles. I didn't say that. What I said is they shouldn't be there because God never called them to be there. They got their foolish pride in place, and they think they're called to be of God's service. And when the trials come, they quit. And you see the people, you know what? You are the guys that suffer on that kind of stuff. I take this stuff, I, I mean, I'm serious when I take this stuff. This is probably one of the most serious things I've ever done in my life. Uh, getting saved was, I mean, that was pretty serious. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but as I got up further and further away from that, I realized how serious that thing was. My eternal destination depended on that. My eternal destination depended on, like they, they sang that song, there's people down through history that had to go through things in life or had to go through some stuff so that that book could be written. That Wycliffe, man, they, they burned that guy at the stake. All he did was a minor little thing. He took the Latin Vulgate and translated it into English. It was corrupt. 12th century. Here's a guy down there cared enough about my soul uh, 800 years later that he, he read something and said, man, everybody needs to read this thing, and the Latin Vulgate's corrupt, and the only way we're going to straighten this thing out is to get it into English. Have you ever thought about that? It took God another 400 years to straighten that book out. He ain't in a big hurry. But boy, man, I'll tell you what, I'm so glad he did that. 2 Timothy 4.1. 2 Timothy 4.1. I charge thee. Paul is talking to a young man named Timothy. And um, brethren, this is about the most serious thing in your entire life. It, uh, he tells, since you're standing, stay there. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is a great book. This is just a great book. I don't know what to do with it. I mean, just read it. That's all you can do, man. Just read it and love it and, and believe it. Uh, second, First Timothy chapter three it says, uh, "This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires the good work." And it goes on. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that desire. You should actually desire that thing. But if God never provides it for you or opens the door for you, don't get upset. He's not, this, this is not for the weak at heart. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're going to have to put up with all kinds of stuff. And it's crazy. Uh, first, uh, Second Timothy 4 says, I charge thee, therefore. He's talking to his, his Timothy, his convert. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his, at, at his appearing and his kingdom, Preach the word, be incident in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But, heap, uh, but after their own lust shall uh, they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned un unto fables. But watch thou in, in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready 
to be offered, uh, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Father, thank you for your blessing tonight. I do pray that you bless this service. And Father, again, thank you for just letting us do things over the years that you've allowed. Uh, Lord, uh, what a blessing it is to be able to serve you. Uh, the mighty God, the, uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, just thank you for letting us serve you. Uh, Father, what a blessing that is. Bless the evening service, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Dr. Ruttman's a, uh, <laughs> Dr. Ruttman was one of uh, my favorites. I mean, he is my favorite in, in, in this day and age. Uh, if I could have had a grandfather, it would have been him. I'm telling you, I mean... <laughs> Uh, if, if I could have had a desire, if I could have had my grandfather be, I wish he would be like Dr. Ruckman. Uh, I mean, I, I just like a guy like that who stands for what he believes, and he's gracious. I mean, there's times where we were down there, and, and uh, we'd all jump up like young guys going out to protect Dr. Ruckman. Uh, as a matter of fact, he don't need me to protect him, nor his son David, nor anybody else. Uh, what, he, what he did was he depended on God. And the mess up things he messed up, he told us about. He said, don't do what I did. I screwed up. I messed up. He goes, but I'm going to go on and serve God. And he never let any of that stuff stop him. Uh, to the typical person, a lot of people uh, will mess up and somebody else will come up. First of all, never let a preacher tell you that you're not called. That thing's from God. If God called you, God, he, he will call you. He's a, not a respecter of any person. And the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And if God calls you, I don't care what anybody says, you're called. Amen. But guess what? That's between you and him. Yeah. You know what that means? Relationship, fellowship. You can't understand the calling of God until you get a relationship with him. You can't do it. And that fellowship over a period of time, he increases that fellowship. First Timothy 5, 17 says, let the elders that rule well be counted of, worthy of double honor. That doesn't mean pay me twice. As much, but that's not a bad idea. I like that. Worthy of double honor, especially they that labor in the word and doctrine. You should never, and he goes on, he said, For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. Against an elder, receive not an accusation. Now, this is, this is my protection, but this is yours too. Uh, before, uh, but before two or three witnesses, them that sin rebuke before all. That others may also that others also may fear. You should never. For, that's First Timothy, by the way. The First Timothy five seventeen. You should never let. I, I like Brother Joe. He he always takes up for me. He doesn't have to. That's not one of the requirements for me to do what I'm doing right now. But uh, you say something around him, he's going to tell me. I'm going to tell you that right now. He's going to come up and say, "Hey, he's not a blabbermouth." You know what he's doing? He's not going to put up with it. And you're lucky that he's got enough grace that he comes and tells me before he comes and tells you. Because he's ready to beat people up. I'm telling you, brother, it's, it's one of those things where when you start accusing somebody that's trying to do what God said do, believe me, we're a mess. At my best estate, I'm all, all together, but vanity, that's me. I'm no good. I already know I'm no good. I don't believe God should ever allow me to preach. But he does. And he won't let me quit. Because I've tried. I've tried to run all you off, and you keep coming. We got a church building. I'm going to get into that here, too. I mean, I've done everything. You know what he did? He, he put me in a position where I see him do something, and he's not going to beat me. Now, I know he's going to beat me. I don't want to say I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm on, on equal ground with God. I'm not. But if he does something, I'm not going to quit first. 
If he does something, I'm going to do what he gave me to do because if he told me to do it, I can do it. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And I've watched over 43 years that thing come to fruition. Time and time and time and time and time again. It never stops. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he knows exactly who he wants to do it. And each one of us has a rare quality that nobody else has. And you have that quality, and God knows it, and your quality may be somebody else's quality, not what somebody else has, but you have that quality. And God's going to start dealing with you on that particular quality. He doesn't want you to do something else. He wants you to do this. And he's already gotten you and gave you the ability to do that. That's what he wants you to do. So he, he shows me a, a building. But before he shows me a building, he says, build a house over on Grange Hall Road. But before he builds a house on Grange Hall Road, he says, join the Navy. Join the Navy, go through, learn all this other stuff. And then when you get done with all this other stuff, I'm going to put you in a place where you've got to make a decision whether to get out or stay in the Navy. And when you get out of the Navy, you've got to make a decision whether to come to uh, Dayton, Ohio, Columbus or Louisville, Kentucky. And when you make the decision to come there, you're going to have to work all these different jobs until I get you to the place where I want you. So you'll build a house over on Grange Hall. I had a nice house out in Jamestown. I got it dirt cheap. I sold it. I didn't know. We didn't have it for a couple of years. I sold it, made 10 grand on that place. Uh, the guy who sold it to me was mad as a hornet, man, because the moment I got a contract on somebody offering $10,000 more, uh, and I'm, I'm like, that paid all my closing costs, everything. I got out of that thing, moved to that house over in Grange Hall. It was falling down, just a total wreck. And we built that house. That house was a precursor to this church. If I wouldn't do that, I would never do this. You know what the Lord did? He said, Mike, you got a quality of building and fixing things. And I've got a place that needs to be fixed. <laughs> and I need somebody to do it that, that is just stubborn enough that will do it. You know what to be in the ministry takes? Stubbornness. you got to be willing not to just fold at the drop of a hat. So many people fold. This, that's why I'm saying this thing is, is crucial. 1 Timothy 5 says, and he says, uh, I charge thee, verse 21, 1 Timothy 5, 21. It says, I charge thee, therefore, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. I mean, that's a pretty good crowd of people. Uh, as a charge is a, is a, a statement of, of this is what you're supposed to do. This is your direction. This is, I mean, the captain would say, hey, Elliot, I want you to do this. If the captain or an admiral asked me to do something, that was gospel to me. It was going to be done. If it could be done, it was going to be done. And it was going to be done better than what he asked me to do it. Now, brother, I'm telling you, you got to get your mind to it. In this thing, what we're doing here, uh, you're serving Jesus Christ. He has at his fingertips all the, the, the funds and everything in this world universe. All the resources, he can, he can supply all the resources. He can make them. He just needs somebody who will do what he says do. That's it. He goes, I charge thee, and he gives you this list of people. He goes, that thou observe these things without preferring one before another. That means everybody in here is on equal turf with Jesus Christ and on equal turf with me. I don't lift my kids up. I don't lift nobody up any higher than what the Lord lifts them up. And if they don't want to serve God, that's their problem. If they want to serve God, I'll do everything in the world to help them. I'll just like I'll do anything in the world here to help you. Anybody. That, that is, my job is not to prefer one above another. I'm just not here. That's a hard thing to get a hold of in life. Because so many times we want to be on so-and-so's side. I, sorry, I'm not on anybody's. I'm on Jesus' side. Uh, if you're on Jesus' side, I'm on your side. And we can walk down the same street. 
You know, when I met my wife, the thing I liked about her was, none of the she was a Baptist. Baptist. No, that wasn't why I liked her. Uh, I liked her because she had a walk of her own. And, and it wasn't a, a walk that was way out there in La La Land where she read her Bible 10 times a day and, and, and witnessed and led 500 people to the Lord and, and had a marching band and all that. So no, it was none of that stuff. She just had a smile on her face and she loved Jesus. I went to the Lord and I said, hey, Lord, being her got some problems. He goes, yeah, you got more than she's got. I'm like, okay. And he goes, uh, and I said, but Lord, you know, down the road somewhere, uh, I'm going to, if you call me to the ministry, because I don't know if you do, and you're just about liable to do that. But if you do that, I said, and our problems, uh, and we're gonna, he said, you better watch what you say about my daughter. That was the first thing that went across my mind. I'm like, you telling me she's your daughter? He said, you better watch what you say about my daughter. I said, okay, I'm done. I said, if she's yours, and I know she's yours because you just told me she's yours. Now, he didn't come out and said, Mike, she's mine, and she'll do everything you ever want her to do. She'll wash your feet, and she'll do this, and she'll put your blankies on you, and she'll do all this stuff down the line for you. No, 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 he didn't say none of that stuff. He just told me to watch what I say about his. I said, okay, if this is the one you want me to have, and she's yours, and I'm good with that, you will work everything else down the line. Brother, that's what you got to do. Doing nothing with partiality. Sometimes you got to throw things out the window. And then this verse right here says, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. And, I, and there was a time when I talk about walking with God, I mean, you've got to have to get to the place where you know how to walk with God. And that's, only, that's a learned trait. That's a learned, learned experience. You can't, you can't get it out of books. You can read books all day long. It can tell you what to do. You do the A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I've known people who said, well, I've done all this stuff. Yeah, but it's not in you. You can do everything, but it's not in you. I was sitting over at Cornerstone one day, and I was over there feeling like uh, I was going to church there, and uh, uh, Brother Siler was up there preaching and before the service started. It was an se- uh, evening service, and I was there by myself out in the car. And that's usually where God's going to talk to you, by yourself. Out, and I was out in the car on the uh, uh, west side of the building, and uh, I'm sitting out there just all depressed, thinking, man, my whole world's all falling apart, and I don't know what God wants me to do. And I pick up a... Uh, a CD, and I throw it, or a, a thing, and I throw it in there, and I'm listening to a tape, and uh, Dr. Ruttman's preaching. That's all I got is a Dr. Ruttman preaching. So I, I'm throwing it in, listening to it, and, and he starts preaching and preaching and preaching, and uh, I'm sitting there listening to it, and, and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And as I'm getting, the end of the service is coming up, and Dr. Ruttman says, and Brother Fleming, Brother Fleming, I'm gonna, he's in there preaching that message not then, but years earlier, that message was preached inside that building, and that's one of the only times he was in that building. And I just happened to have that tape in my car, sitting outside that building. And the Lord says, you're doing exactly what I want you to do. As a matter of fact, one of your idols, which I told you not have any idols, is Dr. Ruckman. And since you got him, I'm going to use him, uh, and he's going to be preaching in there, and he's going to turn it back over to Gerald Fleming. Well, Gerald Fleming's already gone. Dr. Ruttman's down in Florida, and Brother Siler's in there. You know what I did? I got out of my car and went inside, and I started doing the same thing. Years later down the road, uh, Brother Siler said, hey, I'll, I'll ordain you. I said, no. I said, I, I graduated from PBI down in Pensacola, Florida. I want Dr. Ruttman to ordain me. And Brother Siler said, but I can get a group of people together, and we can ordain you. I said, no. I said, if he won't ordain me, then I don't need to be a preacher. I said, I went to school there, and he knows what I'm capable of and what I'm not capable of, and he's going to see that I'm a mess anyways, and if he doesn't think that I should be in the ministry, then I won't. So I go down there and make a total mess out of the thing. 
I mean, a total mess ain't even the word for it. Uh, if it was me, I would have taken the, my, my bachelor's degree away. I was <laughs> getting your degree while you're here. You, we're done with it. We don't even want our name on you. Uh, but Dr. Roman was sitting right there. The pew was right there. And I'm up here just, I mean, I'm making a mess out of it. And, uh, and I know there was uh, down in Jacksonville, there was a young man down there, and, and he was making a mess. I, I, I related to everything because I was like, man, I feel so sorry. I know exactly how you feel, man. I mean, but I'm in a, in a room with a, a eight, 900 people. It's at a blowout. I mean, I was set up. It wasn't even, it was, the Lord set me up and says, oh, you, you really want to serve me? Uh, if you go through this mess that you're getting ready to go through, are you still going to serve me after this, after you blew it? After you choke like you're going to choke tonight, are you going to blow it? And you're going to blow it? Are you still going to get up tomorrow morning and still serve me? I said, yeah, but it'll be in a lesser, lesser uh, uh, capability. I mean, I won't do it no more like I did before. I won't be a novice, I'll tell you that's for sure. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just about ready to quit. And Dr. Ruttman's sitting right there, and Brother Donovan's sitting right there, and four or five other guys are sitting here. And, and Dr. Ruttman stops everything. He says, Elliot, Brother Elliot, he says, how can you prove that Bible's the Word of God? And I'm like, I, 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 and he goes, Elliot. I mean, it got me. I said, yes, sir, yes, sir. I mean, he shocked me. I said, yes, sir. He says, how can you prove that Bible's word of God? I said, hmm. Oh, that's simple, man. I said, really? <laughs> I said, Daniel. And I start in Daniel. And I'm starting to come through there. And he stops me. He said, shut up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He already knows I'm getting ready to start preaching. Because now I'm on track. My mind's clicking. And, and I'm down through there. And I'm going down through there. And I'm starting to talk about Daniel 8 and 9 and 10. And what Daniel said and what this is. And prophecy and the future and all that. And, and I said, it's the word of God, man. It's the book. How can you prove it? I said, the word of the prophecy proves this book. He said, you got it. So he ordains me. And he, he gets up. And uh, Brother Don was supposed to preach my charge. And Dr. Roman got him and preached it. Now, this isn't just about me. This is about Joe. This is about anybody. I'm trying to tell you what God has to do for you so that you will not quit when the time gets rough. I'm sitting there, and Dr. Roman comes up and preaches, and he preaches by charge. I, I just thought he did. I really did. I didn't think nothing special about that. I just thought he did that for everybody. The next day, Glenn Robertson takes me out to lunch, and Glenn's been there forever. He goes, Brother Elliot. You must think you're something. I said, no, after last night, brother, man, I said, that was a mess, man. And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, how did you do that? I said, brother, I went to Bible college here for three years, and if that's the best I can do. He goes, no, no, how did you get Dr. Roman to preach your charge? I said, what do you mean? He goes, I can put on my hand how many times I've watched him do that since I've been down here. He's always had somebody else preach his charge. How did you get him to preach yours? I asked the Lord, and he gave it to me. <laughs> and, and then he, you know what that does? That makes you stop and say, I can't quit. <laughs> because every time I walk in the office, I see Dr. Roman's name, and he said, I did that. <laughs> you know you didn't. <laughs> I said, yes, sir, you're right, I did not. Dr. Roman, I was, I was wondering, I said, I said, he looked at me strange a couple times, I, and I always wondered why he didn't, why Glenn said that. Glenn said, Five, five, he said he could put it on this hand, maybe this hand, but not a whole lot. And so that thing troubled me over the years. I, I just didn't know what. And, and this verse right here, I, I had another Dr. Roman tape. Lo and behold, on that tape, he explained himself. And he read this verse, and he says, lay hands suddenly on no man. He says, before I lay hands on any man, he says, I in my heart. He goes, number one, he goes, I think the guy who laid his hands on me was had his hands, somebody laid their hands on him, and it goes all the way back to Jesus Christ. 
And he goes, if the guy who laid his hands on me, and I feel like that guy was a man of God, and it goes all the way back to Jesus Christ, then before I lay my hands on somebody, I'm going to make sure I feel like they're called to God. You know what that did for me? I'm sitting there by myself in a car listening to tape. And it's Dr. Upman saying that, and he's, he's nowhere around to be seen. Nobody else is around to be seen, just me and a tape. And I'm like, that man's seen something I didn't see. And this is a serious thing. If you're in this room tonight and you say, why would Mike do this for Joe, but he hadn't done it for me yet? This is a serious thing. This is not a game. This is eternity. This is a life. This is life. And there's a lot of people who get called and they get in too early and they get in trouble and they fall out. And some of them never come back. And I'm not saying they're not called and we're not called and God has to deal with them another way out there somewhere. But sometimes we put things in. I've watched Joe over the last 10, 12 years. And has he messed up? Sure. Who hasn't? If you think you're, you're, you have achieved, come and talk to me. Please tell me how to do it. Because I haven't figured that thing out yet either. But Dr. Roman, when he said he lays hands on I don't do anything quickly. I make sure God's in it. I've had several preachers tell me that Joe would be a good uh, candidate for this. And this has been a year or two. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. You're absolutely right. And one of these days, I'm going to be like Paul. Paul says, I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Uh, henceforth for me is laid up a crown of righteousness. Well, I, there's one day I'm going to go away. I can't tell you Joe's going to be the next guy. I can't tell you that. I'm going to tell you that he's done everything he can, and his heart is to, to do that in his heart. He wants to serve God. Uh, I remember when we first met, I mean, some things came up, and he had to make a decision, and he made it. Overnight, cost me six months of my house. But that's okay. He's still here today. I'm telling you, brethren, sometimes when, when, you're, when you're faced with a situation and you understand, I had another preacher said, hey, we got to do something here. I'm like, hey, I think, I think there's something about him in his heart that's right, and he wants to serve God. And the preacher looked at me and said, you sure about that? I said, yes, sir. I said, there's something, that's like a chief to an officer. I said, yes, sir, there's something there, and it's worth taking a chance. He said, you think it's worth taking a chance? I said, sure. And he got on board, and, and here we are today. Things could have went completely different, but it didn't. You know what? Joe had to make a decision. He made it perfectly fine. Lay hands suddenly on the man. There's, you should never, the calling of God, man, it's, everybody sits at, we all sit in the church, and we go out and do, you know what we're going to have? We're going to have a meeting in January on what the responsibilities of a church is. You need to figure out what your responsibilities are in the body of Christ and start doing them. There's where God starts dealing with our hearts. There's where God starts overcoming the boundaries in our lives that we have set or, or the devil's placed there, and we're afraid to go beyond those things. Brethren, it's not a church environment. This is not the place to learn how to do that. That needs to be learned by you and God alone. Timothy, Paul has looked at Timothy and said, Timothy, you're there, man. John Mark wasn't for a while. Barnabas seen something good in John Mark, and John Mark just couldn't handle the first time. Bro, that's tough, man. That is a tough thing to be on a mission field out there by yourself. And John Mark goes out there with two wild and crazy guys. And Paul, man, I mean, his, his idea of a good Friday night is to get beat. Stoned and not, I mean, we're talking rocks, man. That's Paul's, I mean, unless you get hit with a brick or a rock or a stick, you're doing the wrong thing. 
You're having no effect on anybody. That's Paul, man. Barnabas is like, Paul, you need to calm down, man. Paul's like, yeah, let's go preach some more, man. Let's go find us two or three corners to preach on. Let's get some reaction. But he sits there and he says, henceforth, there's late, verse 8 there, and uh, back to 2 Timothy, and I'll, I'll stick right here for the rest of the message. He says, henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul knew that what he did had nothing to do with what anybody else. It never played into what Peter was getting or James was getting or John was getting or or Barnabas was getting, or John Mark. Later on, he said, send, uh, send Mark, he is profitable for the ministry. Mark learned some things, and he got back in. Uh, and you, you keep going that way. And what you do, you know what, it was, it was an individual thing. Paul noticed in John Mark that John Mark was ready to get back in. John had changed some things. He learned some things. So many people think, I'm, this is, I can do this, because no, 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 if God don't call you to do it, don't make a mess out of it. Be perfectly happy what you're doing, man. Take care of your family. Take care of the needs around you. Take care of the things that God stuck in your face. And when he wants you, believe me, he knows right where you're at. Amen. And he can get a hold of you at any time. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul knew what was in front of him out there when he got to glory, and his end was glory. And brother, when he says glory, it's glory. He goes on right here. I like this, man. He starts, I charge thee therefore, and I'm going to start verse 1 again. He got a charge from Paul. It's, it's a command. It's a do this. Captain used to call me up there every now and said, Elliot, I need this. I said, okay. I, had, I mean, Louie, man, Louie would call me in there to ops. And I remember one time he said, Elliot. I said, yeah. He goes, this ship, brand new destroyer, man. How come everything is broke on a brand new destroyer? And uh, he says, you know, when I'm, we're in the middle of the Mediterranean, and sometimes you got to get in a certain spot of the world to find the problems you're really looking for. So there was a satellite, particular satellite in the sky that you could only see in the Mediterranean. And we pull in the Mediterranean. I usually like driving down the street. And uh, the captain's up on the bridge, or everybody's up on the bridge, and Louis's in ops and down in the combat area where, I mean, to get in there. If you walk in there and you're not supposed to be there, man, it's like the king holding out the scepter. Man, I mean, you're toast. Uh, and I walk in, and, El and Louis says, Elliot! I said, yes. He goes, come here. He held out the scepter. I went over and touched it, man, and kissed his shoe and stuff, and it was good. And he let me in. He goes, uh, he goes Elliot, he goes, when I turn, and when you go there, he says, I lose communications on that little box over there that the green light did this, and that now it's solid, but then it goes away. I said, why has that little box always got the problem? He goes, but when we turn, I said, Mr. Louis, it can't be. That's impossible, man. He goes, why? I said, well, there's two antennas. There's one fore and aft. And no matter where this ship is in the world, it's going to be turning like this. And one of those antennas are going to be on that satellite. That can't, what you're saying cannot happen. He goes, oh, yes, it can. I said, no, it can. He goes, watch this. So he gets on the phone. Yeah, 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 calls the bridge. Hey, turn the ship left, man. And they stink and do it. And they turn it this way. And the little green light goes off. I'm like, well, check that out, man. That's pretty cool. I like guys who just do what they want to do. I mean, you a destroyer, man. The hottest ship in the fleet. I mean, it's like, blow up everything. And he says, oh, turn it here, turn it here. Let's do this, let's do that. And he takes it out like it's a Corvette, man. He does whatever he wants. And, uh, and, and the guy shows me the problem. And you go fix the thing. And you're down the road. And, but when he told me that there was a problem, he showed me that my job was to fix that problem. He didn't have to tell me over and over again to fix that problem. Man, that guy used to come in all the time when I said, I, I said, look, the only thing it can be, I, I, and I wasn't even a tech for that satellite. That had nothing to do with me. And I pulled out the text and manuals and all this other stuff, and I started looking at the antennas and researching them. I said, look, the only thing it can be is this one filter. I said, I said that's impossible. It's a 500 megahertz. It can't be. It just can't be. 
But everything I learned at satellite station, I got all the equipment out, hooked it all up. Louie's up there looking on my shoulder. What are you doing, Elliot? I'm doing this and this. Okay, hey, can I watch? Sure. And he's in there watching, and we do this. And lo and behold, man, I come 500 megahertz with a manual. Them ships out there got the stupidest gear in the whole wide world. All the stuff I had at satellite station, hit a button, and did everything automatically. I mean, just like that. This one, you had to hand crank. I don't know if you've ever tried to hand crank 500 megahertz, but, man, it's a lot of, it's a big bandwidth. I mean, it's, mm, mm, and two days later, you're like, mm, mm, mm. and I get to the space where it, 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 it dropped right. I'm like, I can't believe that. He goes, what? I said, right there's a problem, man. Look at it. That guy, man, he thought I walked on water. But he gave me a charge, and I did what he told me to do. I didn't argue with him. I just did it. It says, preach the word. You know what you got to do is preach the word. You know what Job's always done is preach the word. Brother, I'm telling you what, in any situation, and any, everybody grows, but you got to get to the place where you and God works together. I think the Lord did all that stuff for me on a ship. He allowed me to see things that, that most other texts never saw. He just let me do it. I don't know why. Well, I know why. He was building up my confidence in me that only he could do, and he did it in such a way that I knew it was him. I understood what I was doing, but I knew that I didn't have that capability to do that. He gave it to me. It was a gift of God. That's what that was. And that's what that is. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you gave that thing to me. He says, yeah. He goes, Mike, but when you do that and you start preaching the Bible, you got to do it with the same vigor that you're doing this. If you walk in a chief's mess and you're an E6 and you'll get in the face of a little fat chief that didn't do what you said as an E6. Well, first of all, he's a chief. He shouldn't do what I did. But I suggested to him, I, I was nice to him. I did everything to him to help him so I could help him. I tried to help him. And I even told him that one day this was going to happen. And when it happens, it's going to be in the middle of the night. And I ain't going to do it. Well, lo and, lo and behold, it did it in the middle of the night. And I walked in there. And I, I knock on the door. Who's out there? This is cheese mess. You just don't walk in a cheese mess. I said, it's Petty Officer Elliot. Oh, Elliot, come on in. And I walk right in and get in his face, and I stick my finger in that little fat guy's face, and I start calling him everything but human. And my senior chief, Franklin, loves me. <laughs> and him and Louie is like, and Franklin's over going, oh, Elliot, shut up, please. Shut up, shut up, shut up. I wouldn't shut up, man. you got to have confidence in what you're doing that nobody's going to stop you. And the outcome you don't care about. And if they take you to the cross, the cross is where you go. Now, brother, the end of this thing could be just that. But you got to be willing to take that. I was so sure that what I said was true that I was willing to walk in a cheese mess and blow my entire career because I knew I was right. You know what, Senior Chief, come and tell me, he said, Elliot, everybody in the room knew you were right. <laughs> you just can't walk in and chew out a chief. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, I'm sorry. But the little fat guy was wrong. <laughs> you say, brother, I'm telling you what, you got to be sure what you're doing. You're going to have to say stuff to people sometimes. You know why you don't say stuff to people? Because you're afraid of the reaction. You cannot be afraid of their reaction. You have to be so sure of yourself that you know what you're going to do. I am not like everybody else. I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to be just like Jesus. Preach the word. That is the first basic fundamental imperative. Now, this is Dr. Ruttman's stuff. I like this. For a pastor or an evangelist, make sure you have the word, the word, the Bible. Do you believe the Bible's word of God? No, no, no. Don't just tell me, oh, yeah, I believe it's the word of God. Do you believe it? 
Did God show you that was it? Not Dr. Ruckman. Not me. Not Dr. Estep. Did God show you that's the book? Because if he didn't, you have no right to be here. You're a novice at best. But boy, if he showed you something, then all of a sudden you got it. He showed me. 1980, I got saved out of a King James 1611. Didn't know what it was. My uncle, great guy that he was, takes that away, puts a new American standard in my hand. Four years later, my life is a wreck. The Navy career was still good. It's fine. But personally, my life was going down the tubes. I can, I can manage that thing and keep it going, but man, my life out here was just going down. I go out to a ship out in Norfolk, Virginia, walk on board, and I'm like, man, I got to get right with God. I get my little red Bible out and start reading it. And lo and behold, it comes Fritz Bietersat, and Fritz comes up and says, Mike, what are you doing? Fritz was a Christian. He loved Dr. Roman. I didn't know that at the time. He goes, so Fritz, I'm reading my Bible, man. I'm getting right. He goes, you are? I said, yeah. He said, let me see that thing. And he opens the front cover and shuts it and says, that's not a Bible. I never argued with him. I didn't know. You need to be honest with yourself. Do you know or you don't? I said, Fritz, what'd you do? He told me. I'm like, hmm. This one, you, I said, you got one. He gave me one. And I start reading it. And King James 1611, I did still, I mean, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that thing starts, hey, Mike, glad you're back. Moron. <laughs> I'm like, you always have to call me that. He goes, yep, got to call you that because that's what you are. He said, you let somebody take this out of your hand. I said, take it out of my hand. Hmm. I run back. I, I jump in the car and drive 12 hours. Now, I did it the right way. I got leave and everything else, four days leave. And I drive back 12 hours, 24 hours round trip, just to pick a little book up and open the front cover. And the Holy Spirit said, that's the word of God. King James 1611. I said, okay, I'm done with that. I said, I never have to. I didn't go to Bible college for another six years. I knew what the Bible was. God showed me. I knew you could trust that book. I didn't need nobody else to tell me nothing. I can trust that book. I don't need Dr. Rubin. I love Dr. Rubin. He showed me all kinds of stuff. Man. Everything I know practically, he taught me, or at least exposed me to it. But not that book. That book was handed to me by God Almighty. If you're going to stand here, there's better preachers. They don't believe that book. If they did, they wouldn't be like what they're doing. Their personal life would be out of the way. I could look at somebody in two minutes and their personal life gets right in the way. They have their own particular little things that they do and the people they like. God likes us all, man. I don't know about you, but he likes everybody that likes him. And some people just rub me the wrong way, just like I rub them the wrong way. And we rub him the wrong way. Preach the word. you got to make sure Paul commanded his converts to preach the word. Acts 20, 20 uh, 32 says this. And now, brethren, I command, uh, commend you to God. That's the place you commend them to. I commend you all to God. I, I can't run your life. I wish I could. I can't. No, I don't wish I could. I can't run my own. i got enough headache trying to take care of Beth. Man, Beth drives me crazy, and that's just one person. Riley back here goes, are you going to do it now? It's your turn. She's trying to control my life. <laughs> and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. The book is what's going to do it. Now, brethren, you know what? I'm talking about Joe here. Joe, uh, Joe's going to be the associate pastor here when I get done. It's not this great, great thing. that I mean, really, it's, it's the one of the roughest things you'll ever do in your life. Uh, to, to stand in the place of the Lord 
and know that you're weak and frail, that you're just depending on him, you know what you need to do is get some things in your life correct so that you have some self-confidence in yourself that, hey, I know what I'm doing is right. I think that's in Joe. He says, which is able to build you up to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. And he also said this, uh, he goes, and said the word of God was not the word of men. I like that, man. 1 Thessalonians uh, 2.13 says, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it was, but as it is in the truth, the word of God. Brother, when you pick this thing up, this is God talking to you. And if you're going to stand in his stead, when you pick this thing up and you start talking to other people, this has got to be it. You know what's wrong with our churches today? You know why they're all going ecumenical and doing the garbage that they're doing? It's because they're trying to get you in church and keep you in church, and they'll sacrifice this to do it. I won't do that. Amen. You can hang it up, man. I'll go by myself. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I'm okay with that. I'm all by myself most of the time anyways. This is not going to the wayside. It can't. This is all I got. Now, brother, when you get down to the place where this is it, then you're right where you need to be. Now God can do something with you. If your boss is where it's at and they're on equal trying, you got a problem. I'm not telling you to go quit your job. You can't because you still got to pay the taxes so I can get my Social Security check. Man, I'm telling you what, this, 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 this preaching stuff is great. He says, in season and out of season. Boy, I tell you what, you know, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. You know, sometimes you'll preach and you won't get nothing, no results. Man, you're talking about that. Sometimes you'll preach, Brother Joe, you'll preach and you'll probably agree with this. Sometimes you'll think you're so backslidden you shouldn't even do it. But you do it anyway. Do you know how many times I've got up here and preached and thought I was so backslidden and I said, God, you'd kill me before I ever get up here? I should not be the guy preaching. I said, Lord, I'm backslidden. I'm no good. I stick. He goes, yep, 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 yep. All those things is true. He said, but you're still going to do this. Because <laughs> if you don't, you're going to be failing on me. And you want to be failing on me? You want me on your back too? I said, no, no, no. I'll go do this. But it says, and that's some of the times I've had people come and say, brother, that was the greatest message you ever preached. And you sit there and say, what is that? You're just in season and out of season, man. You got to get to the place. If this is, I'm telling you, when he says over in 1 Timothy 3, he says, if you desire the office of bishop, you desire great. It's a good thing. Don't rush it. Let God do it for you. Because that way, when he does it, it'll stick and you'll be able to help some people. In season, out of season, when you get visible results with it and when you don't. <laughs> when, you, when you feel inspired, oh, that's a great message. And when you don't. Sometimes you just got to do it. When you are ablaze with the Holy Ghost, everybody wants that, man. Oh, he's got fire on his head, little thing up here. <laughs> we all want the Acts chapter 2 thing. You know, that's what we want to do. When you are ablaze with the Holy Ghost, holy anointing that, makes, that almost takes you out of the pulpit and you start flying. And when you feel like you're discarded dishrag that, that should be cast and drug out. You know what the calling of God is? Is you'll do it no matter what. Whether it's rain, sunshine, it doesn't matter. You'll do it. In season, out of season. Raining. Till you, I like, I like uh, Isaiah. Man, I tell you what, Isaiah chapter 6. 
This is a freebie. This won't cost you anything. I like Isaiah 6. 6 is good, man. 6. He says, in the, in, the, in the year King Uzziah died, he goes on. and Verse 8, it says, and I heard the voice. I think it's a little uh, coal on his lips and all that other stuff. And he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send or who will go for us? See, everybody's willing to say, me, 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 send me. No, wrong answer. Minus 5, you better make. Whom shall I send or who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. That's a great thing. He desires the office. He, it's good. But then he goes, wait a second. And he said, go and tell this people. And he make the hard, da, 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 verse 11. Then the guy stops and says, well, wait a minute, Lord. Uh, I should have asked you this first. He goes, uh, then said I, Lord, how long? Is this like just a one-time thing where I just go out and do it and see you later? Bye. And, and say, no, 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 it isn't that. And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitants and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate and the Lord hath removed men far away and there, there be a great forsakening in the midst of the land. Man, that sounds like a real good place to preach about this time. And yet in it shall be a tenth and it shall return. He said, you just do it till the, the sky falls, man. When you get in this thing, there, ain't, there is no out. There's no discharge in that war. Death is it. You got to wait till you die. You're in it, you're in it, and you're going. Fix it in your mind, this is what I am. I joined the Navy, I was a sailor. Until the Navy got in the way of God and I kicked it off the side, and this is the path I'm going now. That's the thing. In season, out of season. Then he goes, reprove. I've had to do this down. It's one of the hardest things in the whole world. Do you have a problem with telling people that they're wrong? How about telling people they're wrong when you're wrong? Huh? How about that one? You're looking at somebody and you know they're wrong in what they're doing, but you're wrong in this over here and you know you're wrong there and the Lord says you still tell them. You stinking hypocrite. Like, oh, Lord, reprove. That's as softly as if they'll take it. I would love to tell you that you're making a slight mistake here. And then if you just turn a little bit, everything will be okay. No, you reprove them, man. Softly as you can. Be as nice as you can. I've had to reprove a lot of people. And, and uh, that's why I like the military, man. The military teaches you how to reprove people. I like the old military better because you went right to rebuke, and then you came back and reproved. <laughs> I like that part, man. What's wrong with you, maggot? <laughs> Nothing, sir. I'm just trying to be a little fly. That's all I'm trying to be. <laughs> Will you help me be a fly? No. <laughs> I like the old military, man. It's cool. I mean, then you get softly if they'll take it. You reprove them. And sometimes you don't feel like it, but this job requires that. Sometimes Joe's going to come out and tell you something you ain't going to like. But by after tonight, he's going to be lifted into a place now where you have to listen. <laughs> I was talking to Dave a few minutes ago. Him and, him and Joe was talking and many, many years ago when Joe was a, was a maggot. <laughs> Down at PBI, he was a little maggot. And Dave was down there preaching. He was the, the big kahuna, you know. He's preaching the, the blowout. And Joe just wanted to be like, Dave. And he went, I got to, but he didn't have a calling, so I got to get a calling. He just said that a few minutes ago. You don't mind me telling this to you. So he, I, he's told this before. And, and he goes up to Dave, and, and Dave doesn't know him. I mean, from Adam, who is he? I mean, he, he's like, obviously, you're one of them long-winded little think-you-know-everything kind of guys. Crushed him, crushed him. And, and tonight, they joined the church. But Joe's going to be associate pastor. Guess what? He's got to start listening to Joe now. 
He just said it, man. I was like, whoa, what a change of event, turn of events, man. You never know what the Lord has for you anywhere, man. It's the funniest thing in the whole wide world. God has a sense of humor if you don't think that. But you know we're all equal. I'm not saying that Joe going to go down, Dave, I want you to polish my boots. No, he ain't going to do that because Dave won't do it. I'll tell you that right now. He ain't going to do it. You might as well hang it up. He says, when you get visible results, reprove softly if they'll take it. You got to sometimes start softly. Recently, I've had to do that to a couple people. And uh, they do something wrong and you try to reprove them. They don't get it. But yet they think they're equal with you. And I'm not arrogant at all, but I know, I know the Lord, and they're not equal with me. And there's a path. And, I mean, Brother Hanstein read some scripture to me one time and over in Job, and there's a path. And, and he, he was sitting there talking, showing me some stuff, and there's a path you have to get. Nobody, you can't find that path. Only the Lord can show you that path. And that path is something you have to find, and once you get on that thing, you have to walk that path most of the time by yourself. And the Lord will bring people in and out of your life over time, but usually you're, you're walking that path all by yourself. And it's a lonely path. It's, a, it's a, just a, it's a really sad path sometimes, but, man, the Lord will come down the thing, and it'll be the sweetest path you've ever been on in your life. And it's like Lord said, hey, let's keep going, man. It's, it's going to get better. And sometimes you, know, you get on it and somebody does something wrong. You try to help them get on the path, and they think they have a better path. You ought to read the book of Pilgrim's Progress, man. There's so many people who think they know, and it always ends up wrong. Bunyan had it, man, in that aspect. Just because you think you're right, how do you know you are? I got, I got a book, man. I believe the book. That's what I believe. Then you have to rebuke them. And that means to get right in their face. And I don't mind getting in anybody's face. Ask Beth. I get in her face from time to time. And I feel a little bit bad after I do it, but I, uh, if I get the right results, then I'll apologize, maybe. But Beth usually says, Micah, you're always right. I don't know whether she does that just to stop the argument or what. But as strongly if needed, a rebuke goes on. You know, to be called to be a pastor, you're going to have to, or be an associate, or to be a leader in a church, you're going to have to get to the place where you're, you care about this church. Brother and I care about each and every one of you in this building. I would not do what I do in this building if I did not care about each and every one of you. I do it for you. And if somebody comes in here and they're going to mess you up, you can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to be in their face before they get a chance to do anything. They're not going to do it. You may not understand that when I do it, but I'm going to do it. You say, are you wrong? No, I'm not. This is what God's given me. And this is what I care about. And I care about you. And I don't care about a wolf in sheep's clothing. They come to eat and devour. That's all they do. But then, then you get down to the place where you exhort them. If you can reprove them and rebuke them and get them through all that stuff. This is what Paul's telling Timothy. Timothy, you got to do this stuff. you got to be willing to do this. Well, I think we should just not yell at each other and then we should just talk. No, you moron. You're wrong and you need to understand you're wrong. Well, I've got the book, the word right here. If you don't believe that, that's fine. That's what it says. That's what we're going to do, and if you're going to hang out here, that's what you're going to do. Now, I'm about as gracious. Joe always tells me, he said, brother, you're too gracious. I will cut slack to everybody as far as I possibly can before I drop the hammer on your head. But I don't ever want to drop the hammer. The hammer is never even in, my, in, the, in the area. I don't want it in my tool bag. 
You try everything in the world to help somebody get to the place where they need to be. And if they're just not going to do it and they're going to hurt somebody else, brethren, the church is for born-again believers. And we can win souls in here, too. They can come in. But you can't let... You know what's wrong with a lot of your big churches? They'll have bus routes. And they'll bring all those little kids into the church. And they'll destroy a church. And, but the typical person... But somebody's got to help the look. Yeah, that's what you do out there. And you work with them and work with them and bring them in and train them up or have something off to the side where you can work with them and help them. But you don't bring them in and destroy the church and use all the resources that the church has. You know what's wrong with missions? There's some pastors out there who think all the resources should go to the missionary. What about the church? If this thing goes away, that goes away. I'm going to get into that in just a second. Paul, Paul goes into, Doc goes into all that stuff. Rebuke, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. You ought to tell people when they do good. Uh, the steadfast up here, Joe came over here. We had three or four singers in the church and players and all that stuff. They all got together and here's a little group and they're using, you know, that you ought to tell them, hey, you done good, man. You can do better. Yeah, sure they could, but they do great, man. I don't know about you. I sit back here and y'all do good singing. I love you hearing y'all singing. I like sitting back here listening. You need to be on a ship in the middle of the ocean when you're all by yourself and you don't have that. And you're out there for six months and you don't have that. And for five years, you don't have that. And then all of a sudden, you get to be around it. And you sit there and, and you smile. J uh, Jake knows all about it. He's over in uh, Jordan. And he's, he cries when he talks to me about it. He says, brother, it just wasn't there. I come back here and it's here. And he gets this big smile on his face. He knows what he's missing. For the time will come, and that's where we're at right now. To be a minister, you have to realize a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. you got to watch that lust. Lust will get you. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. You can grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. you got to watch that thing. If you want to be a minister of God, you're going to have to realize that, hey, you're the problem. And God's not the problem, and he wants to work with us, and he wants to reveal stuff to us that I, you can reveal to somebody else by the Spirit. And he goes, for the Spirit searcheth all things. You've got to realize that the Holy Spirit is what's looking in your life. It's not knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up. Charity edifies. Knowledge will puff you up. I know this. I know this. I know all this. I'm this. I'm a Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, really? Your life don't reflect that. Knowledge, just because you have knowledge doesn't mean anything. But God revealed him by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man, which is in him? So even the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. You have to have that spirit of God in your life for you to even understand the things of God. Otherwise, you're going to take the things of God that you think, and you're going to bring them into the world and make them match the things of the world. And the church is going to go right down the tubes. The church can never recover from that, by the way. It can't do it. If I, if I let this church go down that way, and I started down that path, pretty soon you'd have a group of people in here who are used to that. And the only way you could reverse that thing is you'd have to lose everybody in your church. I saw Brother Dave about it. You'd have to lose everybody. And you'd have to go back the other way and start from scratch all over again. The thing to do is never let it go that way. He says... They heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know what? I, I, I am so sick of people. Oh, have you heard so-and-so preach? Well, if they're out in Zimbabwe, who cares? I mean, it's okay to listen to tapes. Listen to them. 
But your church should be your first thing. That's what it should be. If it's not, there's a problem. You got a problem. Why? Because you're looking for joy somewhere else. You know where I look for joy? I look for joy here when I come in. I'm looking for something when I come here that I can be part of, that I can, I can shout back at and have fun. I don't mind, man. I came in here for Wednesday night and Joe was here and I said, hey, brother. I said, I'm still on vacation, by the way. You just really don't see me. He's not really there. You ever seen a Star Wars thing? He's not really there. And Joe goes, he's really not here. And, and I, I said, brother, do what you're doing. I'm, I'm not here. I'm on vacation. I said, I'm still waiting to fly out of Miami back here. <laughs> I'm not even here yet. He's, he's, I said on Thursday night, I said, oh, by the way, you got to class too. I'm not here yet either. <laughs> I don't care, man. Just, you know, I got other things I can do. They heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Teachers that will just teach them what, what they want. And also, it's good, man. God, Jesus loves the little children. So if you rebuke, you're wrong. And if you reprove, you're wrong. And, but you got to pat us on the back all the time and tell us how great we are. No, that's not it, man. To heap, they're looking for teachers that will make them feel good. No, you ought to feel bad. If you come to church and you leave all the time feeling good, there's something wrong. First of all, with the preacher, there's something wrong with you. You should never feel like it. And they, they shall turn away their ears from the truth, from this thing right here. That's why we have all the new versions. Joe, don't ever go away from the Bible, man. I know you don't, so I don't have to worry about that. I, everything I'm saying, really, I don't have a, a problem in the world with him. And she'll turn unto fables. That's a Catholic church. Mary was a perpetual virgin. How does that work in having other kids? I mean, how does that work after having the first one? I said, I mean, really, I mean, I know God can do anything, but she's a, she's a, a perpetual virgin. I said, but she had other, other sons. It said her firstborn, that Joseph didn't know her until after the, her firstborn, which is Jesus. Then he had kids like everybody else has. She wasn't that. She's the queen of heaven. Have you ever read Jeremiah, what the queen of heaven is? I'm like, do you, do you not have a Bible that you can read the queen? Of, I mean, we have computers today. You can look up the queen of heaven. And it'll take you right to Jeremiah and tell you what that is. And that's not Mary, by the way. Yet you're calling her that. But watch thou in all things. He goes on down that passage. He goes, for the time will come. And he goes, verse 4, and he says, uh, verse 5, he says, but watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. You've got to endure some things. There's going to be people that's going to just come against you and, and they're going to say things and they're going to do things. Well, let them do it. Uh, I used to get all mad. I, I don't even get too mad anymore. It just really doesn't do it. You've got to endure afflictions. You're to watch for them, uh, for they will come. They're going to come from all different angles. I'm like, Lord, I can't even believe how many angles they come from. All you got to do is try to do right. And I like Dr. Roman. He says you can't do right. Uh, you, he said you can't do right and not get it in the neck. He said you, you're not going to get away with it. Uh, if you try to serve Jesus Christ, the devil's the God of this world. He's just not going to let you do that very long. You already expect him. I expect things to fall apart. So you're really not shocked when it happens. You are to harden yourselves before they come and get used to it so you don't quit. You know the whole purpose of this thing Paul's telling Timothy? He said, don't quit. Timothy, it's going to get hard, man. It's going to get hard. You're going to find yourself in a jail cell one night, you and Titus, or you and, and you're going to be sitting there, Silas, and you're going to be in the stocks and you're going to be in the middle. Yeah, could you imagine the jail cells back then? They weren't like ours today, air conditioned with TVs and, and people doing whatever they want to do and, and the little nurse bringing the medicine to you so you can eat your medicine because you got a sore toenail and now the government's taking care of you like you're a, a migrant coming across the border down south. That's not the way it is. Back then, I mean, you had, it was filth. 
And Paul and Silas are sitting on the floor in stocks and bonds singing. They didn't quit. I did that in jail one time. I was preaching that and was in the, uh, the Greene County uh, Correctional Facility, and they have cameras everywhere. So I go down, and I'm sitting on the ground like Paul was, and here comes all these policemen, man. They said, don't do that no more. We thought they were beating you up on the ground. I'm like, okay, no problem. I didn't know, man. I was just, I was just illustrating, you know, sitting on the ground with Paul. And they was just in there singing, and, and the whole place shakes, and all this stuff happens, and, and you just got to harden yourself to some of the things. You got to endure afflictions. You got to do the work of an evangelist. We got an evangelist sitting right here. You, gotta, you, you know what an evangelist does? They soul win. They go out and preach and teach. We've changed the definition of a, an evangelist, man. You're out, he's always out there trying. Pulls into a bus stop, and if he sees somebody he even thinks he used to know, man, he's over talking to him. If he sees somebody he doesn't know, he's over talking to him. Miss Sue's out there doing the exact same thing. You know what they're doing? They're doing the work of an evangelist. Guess what? That's what we're going to do on, in January. You know what you need to learn is what your responsibilities are to your Savior. And when you learn that, your whole life will change. He said, do the work of an evangelist, which means soul winning, as well as sheep tending. You know, sometimes you got to help the sheep. You share them, but you got to help them. you got to help them. Some, but Brother Joe, man, he's, he's, just, God, he's just a blessing, man. You know, he's, he's got a good heart. And I'm sitting there talking to him down there, and he's sitting there trying to figure out what to do. I'm like, man, we got an apartment back here. I said, Joe, why don't you come down here and stay with us? That's a great idea. He was talking about going to uh, Kentucky. He's like my mom, man. I don't know Kentucky. I was from Kentucky. I'm trying to get back to Kentucky. Who wants to go to Kentucky anyways? Uh, the Indians only went there to hunt, and they left. They came back. Uh, and he goes, told Beth just a little while ago, I ain't going to Kentucky no more. He said, I, there ain't nothing there for me. He goes, you know, he said, I can't remember anybody ever helped me like you guys were helping. You know what a church should do is help their own. Why? Because we know what's going on. You got to help the sheep, man. It's tending to the sheep. Do you care, Joe? Brother, you're going to have to care about these people. Some of them you just, but you got to love them anyways. <laughs> just remember, they're thinking about you the same way. <laughs> but you know what the Lord does in that? He's teaching you how to love him and him how to love you. There's a process going on here that the Lord is building the body of Christ. And when we all come to that perfect knowledge, oh, man, brother, we'll be in heaven is where we're going to be. Which is so when sheep tending, it means preaching the gospel as well as feeding the sheep. It's not just the gospel. A lot of these churches just think it's the gospel. It's not just the gospel. It's the whole counsel of God. It means traveling and talking, taking the good news with you. Wherever you go, you should have a pocket of tracks. You should be out teaching people, trying to help them. It's not just in here. Then it says, make full proof of that ministry. I'm, I'm done, just about right here. Make full proof of thy ministry. Brother, I'm telling you what, we started that camp, and I'm going to go back to Joe. I'm going to let him come here and talk in just a second. But we started that camp out of this church to go over there and be with them. And we would drive from here and pick up uh, Joe at his, at his church over there in, in Indiana, and then we'd go on out to Missouri. And we did that for a couple of years, and it all changed because I looked at Joe and said, Brother, really, that's, I mean, you're taking 60 kids out 12 hours. And logis I'm thinking ships and everything else. I'm saying logistically, we had the whole United States, you know, treasury in her back pocket so if something happened they just sent everybody out to get us but you take that that truck that van out there that bus out there and something happened uh then you got 60 kids that you got to get back and if it's 500 a kid to get back i mean it gets pretty expensive they went out there one time i was telling the story and and i'm telling you what uh, god will take care of you but the bus started overheating 
somewhere in nowhere Illinois. I mean, we're talking wheat fields, Illinois. And there's nothing as far as you can see, and you're lucky to find an exit to get off of that thing. And it starts overheating. And we just had it all fixed. And they pull the bus off. They find a gas station. They pull off and go to this gas station. And lo and behold, right behind them is a car. been following them for a while. And the car behind them gets off with them. I mean, I don't know what made this guy think that he needed to be there with that bus, but he did. He got off with them. And he pulls it. Maybe it's the only gas station in the world. He got off to get some gas. I have no idea, but he got off anyways. And he walks up to him, got a phone in his head. The way that I, I was told the story, he got the phone in his head and said, hey, what's going on? And they're saying, oh, man, our bus is overheating. He goes, oh, really? Uh, what's it doing? He said, what's overheating? He says, somebody got a little arm? Andrew comes up. Is this true or false? He says, somebody got a little arm? Andrew goes, they go, yeah, Andrew does. So he goes, he says, okay, take, your, take this cover off here and pull the thing back and stick your hand over the side and on the front of the fan, there's this little pin. You pull that little pin out and it throws the fan into high speed. And you'll never have a problem with cooling ever again. And he does that. The guy had the phone talking to International Harvester about that bus. The guy designed that bus, the engine system on that bus. It just so happened in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, with 60 kids on a bus, out in the middle of nowhere, there's a guy right behind you, as far as you can see, nobody else, just happens to be on the phone with the engineer who built that thing. What's the odds? That's God. But we started talking, said, hey, man, we, got, we're gonna, we, had, we had a ton of kids there. The church, whole church is involved in this thing. And people are bringing kids from all over this country. Brother Dave goes out to some of these churches, and they sit there and say, hey, Anchor, we just got back from Anchor. Anchor, Anchor Camp, Anchor Camp, Anchor Camp. He's, he'd been doing that a couple years before we even got started with him. And he's still been doing that for 12 years. Brother, I'm telling you, you God's calling on your life. He will make it evident that that's what it is. But when it is, it's not what everybody thinks it is. It's not all this great glory and everything else. Man, there's a lot of heartaches with it. It means that there should be some fruit. You ain't fruit. There should be something that proves the preacher was called and that he did not just enter the ministry as a, pro a profession. It shouldn't be a job. So many people do it as a job because they can't do nothing else. They get into the thing, and then they get so far in it, they're afraid to move off to the next thing, and then, and then they mess it all up. Fruit would be converted souls. I'll tell you what some of it is. This is what this Dr. Roman stuff. New converts rooted in, in the faith. That's what the church should be doing. Uh, answer to prayer. The truth disseminated through the ministers. Christ, uh, lives altered and changed by his message. Christ and God magnified before the heathen. Populous, man, that's, a, that's fun. Get out there and street preach, man. That's fun stuff. You get people all mad then. And do it out of the right heart, man. You'll still get them mad. Uh, Christ and God manifest. Wounds and scars from preaching the truth. Gain wounds and scars. I've got hit and beat and spit on and all kinds of stuff. Have you? Would you continue if you did? What is it going to take to stop you? I like Dr. Roman. You say, what's it going to take to stop you? False accusations and slanders for taking a biblical stance. You know, as soon as you stand up, your, your whole life is going to come into the light. It's, they're going to start shining on you. And they're going to try to find anything they can find to just take you out. Okay, so what? Do it, man. I, I, you know what? I tell everybody, I said, look, the Lord's, Lord's had me for 43 years. And if he hadn't taken me out yet, you'll, you're not even going to get close, man. He's had every option, and he knows exactly the right things to do to take me out. And he just hasn't done it. 
And if he ain't going to do it, you are not going to do it. I may end up by myself, but you ain't going to do it. I'm telling you, you ain't going to do it. You might find yourself fighting against God. I like Nicodemus when he said that, and him and and Joseph Arimathea's. I like them guys. You want to fight against God? Then go for it, man. I don't really care to do that. Uh, He, like, wins all the time. A victorious testimony when your armor is taken off. And then after all of that, and after you do everything that you should do, and you get all beat up and banged up, then you get buildings. Then you get property and buses and Sunday school attendance and offerings. and made, you know. To be in this thing, you have to want to serve Jesus. Paul is saying, Timothy, I charge thee before God. You have to want with nothing else, no, no money, no value, no anything. I mean, there's no, no personal gain to you at all. You have to want to serve Jesus Christ. And you're willing to give everything you have up for that. You'll find out that a lot of times he won't take everything. He'll, he'll actually add to you. But he'll add the right way. And he, he never gives you anything that I think you're supposed to lose. If he gives you something, it's for you to keep. And you should do everything you can to keep what he gave you. And he'll add to that, and you'll keep that, and he'll add to that, and you'll keep that, and he'll add. If you're moving so fast that you've got to lose this, 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 and this to have that, then you're doing the wrong thing. Slow down, man. God's not in a hurry. He's been doing this for eternity. He's already had this plan before, before the foundations of the world. He already knew what he's going to do. It's his plan, not mine. I just get the privilege to get in on it. You want in on it tonight? It's easy. You get saved. And you start walking with Jesus Christ. And you'll come across a guy like Paul every now and then. Man, I thank God he put me. I, really, I'm not the one to do this probably. Uh, I, I tried Joe. Uh, he, he listened. Uh, I allowed some other things. Uh, he, we and him talked and he said he needed to finish his Bible education. We, he got down with Dr. Peacock. And between him and Dr. Peacock and Brother Walker and all them guys, they worked everything out. And he got his bachelor's degree through TBDI. Uh, we could have ordained him here, and I said, no, I'm not going to ordain him here. I said, I, I called Dr. Peacock. I said, man, I'd like to see him get ordained down there. That's where he went to school. That's what I got from PBI. I think it would be good for him. See, I, it's not about me. It's about him and us helping him become what God wants him to be. And if he can get through these stepping stones all the way through life, just like you, then what you can do is you can be a, a vessel meet for the master's use. Not for mine, not for anchors, for the master's use. So Dr. Peacock said, yeah, we'll do it. It's one of the best. Uh, if you didn't see it, and I, I think it was, was it taped? Okay, if it was ever taped, that would be one of the best ones you've ever seen in your life. He had every answer. I don't know whether they gave him, we gave him easy questions. I mean, when was the New Testament written? Who was that written about? Uh, no, no, it's some pretty tough questions, man. He went through every single one of them. And he answered Dr. Peacock, Brother Walker, everyone on that board said that he astounded them. I astounded my board too, but not quite that way. <laughs> you know what, brethren? I, I'm not the one to be able to do this, but the Lord says do it. And I'm, like I said, I'm like Dr. Roman. I don't lay my hands on anybody suddenly. And he already had hands laid on him down there when he was ordained. This isn't about laying hands on him or ordaining him. He's already ordained. This is about making him somebody that this work is starting to grow. We got a young man just started coming back here. Tyler, right? He started coming. I mean, he's just we got another family sitting right back here. Matt. I mean, we're, 
I'm telling you, man, this thing is starting to, it's starting, we've got a group, a whole row right here. It's starting to grow. And it's going to get, it's going to get more and more where God's going to use us. And if, if the Lord keeps doing this, we got all the singers, and we got instruments all over the place. We got, I mean, this morning we had a nice little orchestra sitting up here. It's getting to the place where you need people. What happens if the Lord says, hey, Mike, something happens to your mom or something happens, you got to go here. Here's a guy I can take right over. That's what you need. And if he's not here, we'll get Dave. We'll get somebody. But the Lord is saying the thing, we have established ourselves. I call the bank, and I'll finish with this, and I'm going to let Brother Joe get up here and, and talk. But it just, it, it just makes my heart feel so good because the bank called the other day, and we have some money in the bank, and they wanted to put it in a money market certificate. And it's a sizable amount. And uh, uh, Jerry put it in a thing called building fund, and she goes, what, what about this building fund here? We could put that in a money market, and you can make like three cents a, a year. I said, oh, that's great, man. That's exactly what we want to do. And, uh, and I said, she goes, well, when are you going to build? I said, as soon as you give me some money. I said, will you give me some money? I said, really, seriously, seriously. And we was laughing at that. I said, you see all of our accounts, right, Pat? You see all of our accounts. I said, you see all the money flowing in and out. I said, would you give us, would you entertain considering to give us a loan to put a five or $600,000 building on the back of this? She said, yeah, everything I see right now, I don't see no problem why we couldn't give you that. And I just stopped and thought, man, 15 years ago, Mike Stahl, myself, and Mike Shrout sit in, a, in, a, in our garage, and we sit in another bank, and they said, y'all don't have anything in order to do any of this stuff. And it's taken us 15 years to get to the place where now the banks think we're capable of doing what we should be doing. Not that we need to go out and get a loan for uh, 2 or $3 million. I'm not saying that. But the Lord has established us, and our church is starting to get established more and more and more. And I'm watching this thing happen, and it just it thrills my soul to watch what the Lord is doing. And one of these days, I'm telling you what, it's, it's going to be your turn. Don't, don't think that it's all about somebody else. It's not. It's about Lord and in his timing. That's what it is. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Thank you for Paul 2,000 years ago writing this. Lord, thank you for men like Dr. Ruckman and Brother Peacock and Brother Walker and all the other men around the country, uh, Lord, that, uh, Lord, J. Frank Norris, all of them, Lord, if you go back in history, you can find uh, Dr. Jack Hiles, every one of them. Uh, Lord, these men all uh, did the same thing, and they ensured other people were behind them to take over when they went away. And, Lord, uh, they just added more and more uh, people to the mix as, as they went on. Lord, you know what our future holds, and Lord, I just want to thank you for just letting us be here tonight. Brother Joe has proven himself to be a good man, a worthy man. Uh, Lord, uh, anybody can pick out faults in anybody, mine or, or his or even in themselves, but uh, Lord, overall, just like you looked at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, David, all the rest of them, uh, Lord, you found men that would do what you say do. I pray that you'd put your hand upon Joe tonight, Lord, that, uh, Father, that uh, you'd always show him exactly what he uh, needs to know. And, Lord, that you'd walk with him and talk with him and show him exactly what he needs to do. Uh, Lord, I, I can trust him. I know he's always going to do the right thing. Uh, Lord, I know he's uh, listening to you. And, Father, I just pray that you put your hand upon him and use him. Lord, help everybody uh, in this church, Lord, uh, give him the benefit of the doubt and work with him. Uh, Father, uh, he's, he's proven himself over the last 10, 12 years. And, Lord, uh, I think this is the perfect move for him. It, it's, uh, I have the peace of God that passeth all understanding on this thing. I have total peace about it. Lord, I pray that you use him, and we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Now, I did talk to Dr. Peacock, and I said, hey, uh, should we have a vote? And he said, no, if you're going to make him an associate pastor, you don't need to have a vote. Uh, if, if something happens to me and I kick the bucket and he wants you all want him to be the, the next pastor, 
uh, then you can use him. And at that point, you can have a vote. I am not planning on leaving. Just to let you know that. Uh, and if you come up to me and tell me you're going to kick me out of the church, I may ask you to leave. So I have no desire to leave the church. The Lord has not given me that, so I'm not turning it over to anybody. But it's, it's his time. It's, it's time to do it. I've checked with other pastors, and they all agree the exact same thing. So I am going to let Brother Joe come and let him say a couple things because, uh, brethren, it's, it's, it's like a ship to me with a captain and an XO. The captain chooses the people that are best suited to run that ship. And what you got to do is say, okay, do I want to get into a place where I want to run the ship one day? Do you ever want to be the captain? Well, 1 Timothy 3 says it's okay. The desire is perfect. But now you got to make sure the Lord's in the thing. So, brother, I'll let you have it. Amen. You want the water? No, I'm good. Just for clarity, I got my own water. So nobody got it for me either. <laughs> um, so... Uh, several years ago, when I was in uh, Bible school, back in this probably 2008, uh, 2009, somewhere around in there, um, I just I just had a really, really hard time. Uh, I didn't understand church at all, and I'm not going to take I'm not going to take 20 minutes and give you guys a testimony. But I maybe in the next uh, time that I get up to preach or something. It's been a while since I've given my testimony. There's been a lot of new people, and maybe I'll do it at that time. But um, <clears throat> just uh, a little bit on the, as far as for the things that we've been talking about tonight, um, I didn't know how church worked. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I wasn't raised around church people. I wasn't raised around Bible believers or anything like that. Some of you have been in it majority of your life and a lot longer than I have, and uh, I just wasn't raised around it, so I didn't know how things worked. I didn't understand church, and uh, and I got my head tore off. I went I went to Pensacola with a bunch of fire breathing dragons, man, and I was, you know, I didn't know nothing about nothing. And uh, I had a bunch of guys around me that you know tore my hide off, and guys that I called friends that called me stupid and idiot and all this different stuff. And y'all think I'm mean now? Uh, if you could have only seen me and how I was treated. <laughs> Uh, by the folks down in Pensacola, you'd see, and I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm saying it tongue in cheek and, and somewhat in jest. But there was a night where I was extremely distraught, and I thought, I'm, I'm never going to get this. My first year of Bible college, we had Daniel and Revelation. <sighs> I couldn't even find Daniel. The only reason I knew Revelation was the last one, so it was easy to find, and uh, had no idea. And they're talking about wormwood, and they're talking about, you know, this crazy vampire lady and blood-sucking stuff. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? A bunch of crazy people, you know. And I remember I went home that night, and uh, I played Bible roulette like some people do. And I remember I, I turned uh, to Isaiah chapter 18, and I read verse 5, and I thought, well, this doesn't help me at all. <laughs> but what the verse says... Um, is for a for the harvest when the bud is perfect and the sour grape is ripening in the flower. He shall both cut off the sprigs with pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches. And that may not mean anything to you. But what God told me that night at about 4 o'clock in the morning was, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prune you. I'm going to cut you back and I'm going to help you grow. 
And that's what I took out of that. Um, my testimony as far as the ministry is concerned is, is one of absolute failure and messing up and uh, just being too stubborn to go back home. Uh, when I was a second year Bible school student, um, I, went, I went back home to see my family and uh, was in the hospital, ended up having real, real high blood pressure and went to the hospital. My mom says, you, you can't go back down there. You can't go back down there. You got to stay here. And I said, if I don't go back to Pensacola, God will kill me. And I was down there. I was homeless for three months. I, had, I, lived, in, I lived in eight different houses. I had 12 different roommates. Um, it was 2007, 2008. The economy was garbage. You couldn't find a job. I was broke as a joke. Um, and I was by myself. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I lost my father when I was 13 years old. And uh, I grew up without a dad. I grew up without a man. I grew up, you know, kind of figuring stuff out on my own. And uh, my testimony is, again, one of failure, but it's one of God just putting men in my life and giving me what I needed for that period of time in my life. You know, we joked about Brother Dave saying what he said to me back in 2008, but the truth of the matter is, is exactly what I needed to hear. I didn't know anything right and yeah he shut me down but what I didn't tell is the last part of that once he once he did that he said you just need to focus on getting through Bible school it's great advice and you know what I did I got through Bible school um, so when it comes to uh, the ministry I graduated Bible college and I went to Indi uh, I went to Indiana some of you I mean you know me as you know the guy in, in Ohio, and I've been the guy in Ohio for the last, you know, seven years. I was in another church for five years before I came here. And um, I, uh, I figured out what it's like to give your loyalty to somebody who's not worth being loyal to. Okay? Before I graduated Pensacola, I preached my last sermon in Bible college, and I preached a sermon called Giving Up Benjamin. Some of you have heard it since then. But... Um, I went to the back of the classroom and I talked to Brother Donovan, and, I, and he would only critique you if you asked. And so every time I got done preaching, I'd ask him to critique me. And I said, what would you change in the sermon? He said, nothing. He says, I want to tell you something. I said, what's that? He says, you need to be careful when you leave because there's going to be people that's going to try to get you in their camp. And I didn't know what in the world he meant when he said that. I had no idea. But I found out. And I found out the hard way. Pastor gave a little bit of the story. Um, I gave every ounce of my life, every ounce of my, any ability that I had, anything to that church in Indiana. Everything. I, I, I worked with the young people. I preached. I taught. We kept doing the youth camp and did everything. And, and that man uh, used me and then left me high and dry and started doing some things and started taking the church in a direction. And once he got a PBI guy in his church, that's all he wanted to try to give him credibility. So he tried to, and so what he did was he tried to destroy my relationship with Pensacola and then thus got me in a bad situation to where when we decided to move the camp uh, to with through this church, um, 
it was, well, Dr. Peacock couldn't be associated with me because of the situation I was in. And I won't go into detail. Um, but the only reason I'm still in the ministry is because pastor said, we need to, we need to, I don't want to lose Joe. Because at any, anybody, anybody else, they would have said, yeah, it's just too risky. And so when I came over here seven years ago, I didn't come over here looking to be anything or do anything. I came over here with my tail tucked between my legs because I had wasted five years of my life. And I just had to uproot my eight-month pregnant wife from a house we just bought two months prior to leaving. I had a good job, everything, and the Lord said, you got to go. And so uh, the Lord, uh, through a series of events that I won't go into detail about, I quit my job. I put my house back on the market after two months, and we stayed with Pastor. The only reason we stayed with Pastor for six months is I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what to do. And so I went to New York, back where I'm from. I thought God was going to put me up there, do something with me up there, and I found myself in New York. Offered, I've, had, I've had people offer me churches. I've had people say, I'll make you something. I'll do something with you. You know, just get out of my ministry, and I'll... And I'm sitting up there in New York, and I'm talking to the pastor. And, uh, and I'm like, I, I think maybe, I mean, I'm just guessing. Maybe I'm supposed to be up here. And it was like, it's just as clear as day. Lord says, what are you doing up here? You're supposed to be in Dayton. <laughs> we just came back. And I was like, well, I, I got to settle myself down here. And uh, we got a place, and thanks to uh, Brother Stahl. Like, this church has done more for me than I can even uh, express to you. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've had some loneliness as far as in the ministry and in my life and stuff like that, but this church has helped me more than any, even before I came here. Brother, Brother Steve gave me a van once. He gave me a van. We're, we're having, about to have two kids, and I was riding around in a two-door Sunfire, and Steve comes up to me. I preached here back when the church was that way. I was preaching here because pastor would encourage me by asking me to come preach for him. And so I'd come down. He'd let me preach over a Sunday or let me preach a youth rally or something like that. And it would just encourage me. It wasn't because I was good. It was just encouragement to me. And I get done preaching. Brother Steve comes up crying. Oh, God told me to give him my van. Right? We drove that van forever, man. Right? Uh, I, I remember... We had first gotten over here, and it was just here a couple years, and we were as broke as you could possibly be, had absolutely no money. And, uh, and I'll say this because Miss Darkus is here, and I love you all dearly. And I pulled up. It was Christmas. And uh, I couldn't buy Christmas presents for the kids, and I, and I hated that. I love Christmas, man. I'm the opposite of pastor. I'm not a Grinch. I'm not a Grinch. Hey, if you don't like getting preached on Christmas, I'll give you some comfort. I like it. <laughs> I, came, I came here, and he, he said, come out to the van. And he packed the back of his van with toys, and he said, put them in your car. Those are for your kids. And he paid for Christmas for my family. You know? Um pretty amazing. Brother Mike Stahl bought me a house and said you could buy it back on contract. 
I wouldn't be living in the house I'm living in now if y'all wouldn't have done that. In turn, he also spent the time to teach me how to do a lot of things and spent a lot of time with me at my house and working and doing certain things. Uh, there's folks in this church that have done amazing things for me and my family. Your kindness to my wife and my children, um, I can't thank you enough for. Um, the devil has tried to make me leave this church several times. Some of you have no idea, and that's okay. I wouldn't tell you if you asked me. But there's been several things that have gone on over the years that I've been here to try to get me out of this church. And um, I'm, I've said all that to maybe I, you think I'm rambling. I said all that because for me, again, I wasn't looking, I wasn't looking for this. I, I didn't ask for it. Um, I had some people, you know, think that maybe I was looking for it. I, I, I'm not. But um, what I do know is that this is exactly where God wants me to be. I have, I, have the, I have the assurance, and I've had the assurance for some time, to know exactly what God wants me to do, that this is a place where I can settle my family. This is a place where uh, I, can, I can give my loyalty to someone who's absolutely worthy of it. Uh, this is a place where um, I believe that time is, is well spent, that God is here. And it's a privilege and an honor to be a part of this church in any capacity. And just now that I have a different title, uh, it's just a blessing to be a part of this church and be a part of you people and what God's doing here. And uh, I couldn't thank you all enough for the graciousness you've shown towards me because God knows <laughs> I've needed a lot of grace from you and, uh, and, and, and how good you've been to my family. So I don't know. Uh, that's, that's all I got to say tonight, brother. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. Brother, I, I tell you what the Lord will do is just like what you just said. He'll work through your life, and he'll get all the, the kinks out of you, and he'll get you to a place where he can use you. And he just said, he goes, there's a lot of times, and I knew most of the times he's talking about it, where people's offering him churches here, and I never stood and ever stay in your way. I said, no, man, if that's what the Lord wants you to be, and he wants you to do that, I'm, I'm the farthest thing I'm going to get out of your way and let you do what God wants you to do. And I'm going to help you do it. But if the Lord wants you here, this is where you need to be. And this is where you can grow until you get to the place. And that's what church is. That's why I love church, man. It's a place where you can grow. until, And your family can grow until you get to the place where you know exactly what God. And if this is where you spend the rest of your life, there's nothing wrong with that. Man, there's enough work in Dayton, like Brother Dave was saying. America's shot. You know what America needs? Some good churches. And they don't need to keep doing. I keep here. I hate everybody saying, "Oh, the churches are just dwindling away, and they're going away." And they're just, well, I remember being on a ship all by myself one time, and now we got a church with some people in it. <laughs> this one don't seem to be dwindling as fast as some of the other ones, and it actually seems to be growing. And I'm all, I'm all for that, man. I'm like, hey, let it go, man. You know what the Lord will do? He'll work the thing out, and he'll make it grow, and he'll make you grow, and we'll all grow together. So, Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. We're gonna have a little fellowship back there. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for Brother Joe. Thank you for Paige, Lord, uh, putting up with Joe all the years that she... Lord, thank you for wives, Lord, that'll go through, that you've given us, that'll go through with us uh, what, what you're putting us through, Lord, as a family uh, so that we can get to where you want to use us and do what you want to do. Lord, everybody in this room is just as important to you as anybody else. And Lord, I just pray that you'd uh, get us all where you want us to be. Lord, one of these days you're going to call us out of here and we're coming home. Uh, Lord, but until then, uh, give Anchor Baptist Church, give the people of Anchor Baptist Church something to do. Lord, we got a lot of people taking TBDI. 
we got others that's already finished, Lord, and I just pray that you'd keep blessing them and give them the, the encouragement to finish what they've started. And, Lord, get through it, and, uh, Lord, just see what you're going to do for them. Lord, I'm excited to see what you're going to use uh, some of these people to do. And, Lord, uh, and I'm just thankful for what you've already done in the lives of, uh, of us here uh, right now. Lord, thank you for all you've done over the years. Uh, bless now. Bless the food back there in the fellowship. And we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. And if you would, go give Joe a shake. Shake his hand, man. I actually tell him you like him. <laughs>